Okay, so what we have seen till now, uh, so there's a group of false teachers, Judaizers, as you now very well, everyone knows, you all know, that they are preaching a false gospel of addition of works to their faith. So they are not preaching Jewish law, but they are preaching addition to faith. So they are not, they are, they are okay, like uh, if you are believing, you are saved through faith, you are, they are okay with it, but you also need to add works. You also need to add law or you also need to add the keeping of circumcision. You also need to add the rituals and the uh, different dietary laws. Only then you would be justified in the sight of God. So that's what they are preaching. Paul is very serious in that defense and he's defending the gospel that was initially preached. That the gospel that these people, Judas, are preaching are, is completely a false gospel. You cannot add anything to your salvation and uh, you are only justified on the basis of your faith. Uh, and Paul is defending the gospel through mainly uh, when we started the chapter 3. He is uh, explaining the work of uh, the triune God in the lives of the Galatians, which is from verses 1 to 5, chapter 3, verse 1 to 5. And then from verse 6 onwards, he moves on. Uh, to more defend more on the basis of Old Testament scriptures and uh, he starts by Abraham <clears throat> and different Old Testament scriptures from Deuteronomy and uh, Habakkuk and so on that we saw the last time. So let us turn to Galatians chapter 3 verses 15 to 29 which is our uh, passage for today and let us read verses 15 to 29. To give a human example, brothers, even with a man-made covenant, no one annuls it or adds to it once it has been ratified. Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say, and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one, and to your offspring, who is Christ. This is what I mean. The law which came 430 years afterwards does not annul a covenant previously ratified by God so as to make the promise void. For if the inheritance comes by the law, it no longer comes by promise. But God gave it to Abraham by a promise. Why then the law? It was added because of transgressions, until the offspring should come to whom the pr promise had been made, and it was put in place through angels by an intermediary. Now an intermediary implies more than one, but God is one. Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? Certainly not. For if a law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. But the scripture imprisoned everything under sin, so that the promise of faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then, the law was our guardian until Christ came, in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. So what, we, what are we going to see today? So the first thing that I, you know, I, I, 
I divided into five sections or roughly five points. The first thing was the defense through a human illustration. The second thing is why was the law given, which is kind of like a really weight, uh, weighty question and the one of the most important questions that anyone can come across. Third is, is the law contrary to the promises of God? Imprisoned or free? The fifth is privileges to all who are in Christ. So def defense through human illustration. So Paul is beginning this uh, passage or uh, this pa passage begins by a human illustration which Paul is giving and Paul is basically saying uh, that uh, he has two uh, events in mind over here when he is giving this illustration. The first event he has in mind is the promise that was initially made to Abraham and the other in illustration, he, uh, other event that he has in mind is the law that was given through Moses. And while comparing these two events, he is giving the uh, illustration of a, of a of human man-made covenant. So he's saying that even in a human covenant or, or even in a human agreement that is made, or you can imagine there is some policy or an agreement or a contract that is made between two parties, even in that part, even in that uh, contract, that contract is kept or not modified or not cancelled until that whole contract is fulfilled. So even in the in human man-made man contract or a covenant, if it is kept or not ratified, then how can it be ratified if the law came? So that's the whole picture that uh, Paul is trying to put over here by comparing the two uh, events. So what is this promise that he is talking about over here? So we can see the promise uh, that he is referring to that was given to Abraham and his offspring in Genesis chapter 13 verse 15 to 16. It says, for all the land that you see I will give to you and to your offspring forever. I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth so that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring also can be counted. And also in Genesis 7, 8, 17 and 8, uh, that uh, uh, promise is repeated. And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. So Paul is very much mindful about the usage of this word offspring over here. So uh, as we read these verses, he knows that how this word is used over here. It is mostly used in collective sense that Abraham and his offspring. So offspring is in a collective sense that is used in Genesis over there. That he will give the land of Canaan to Abraham and his offspring. But the usage of the Hebrew word itself is not a plural word but a singular word. And Paul is very much mindful of that fact that the word offspring is not a plural word but a singular word that is used over there. And because he knows that each and every details of the word of God is equally weighty and it is inspired by the Holy Spirit. That's why each and every word is there for a reason. And that's why he is using and that's why he has in mind that the singular word of offspring is nothing but it is pointing to Christ Jesus. That the promise that was made to Abraham to give the land, to give the all of the land that, of Canaan that he was able to see to give to Abraham and his offspring 
was it was originally ultimately was to be fulfilled in the person of lord jesus christ and that's what he has in picture over here so only through christ would the promise be ultimately fulfilled uh, which was given initially to abraham and this promise was that anyone who would believe like abraham believed would be justified in the sight of the living god and we also read over here that the law which came 430 years after ratified so what is this 430 years over here so you can read that in exodus 12 40 we won't be turning over there in genesis 46 3 and 4 this most probably seems like uh, the affirmation of the promise the same promise which was in genesis chapter 13 and then again in 17 the promise was affirmed by god to J uh, with jacob before he went to uh, with his whole family to egypt and uh, from from that time till the time the israelites were uh, uh, freed from the slavery so that whole duration of whole duration is 430 years so that's what he is saying that it 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 doesn't uh, count the whole 430 years from when the promise was made to abraham till the law was given but when the promise was affirmed in jacob through jacob and when the uh, law was given after israelites were freed from slavery so just that a quick uh, background or a context of 430 years so we see that the promise previously ratified by god and given to abraham it cannot be cancelled or it cannot be changed or it cannot be modified why because the promise was given by god himself and it came before the law verse 18 says for if the inheritance comes by the law it no longer comes by the promise so this this verse is kind of similar to chapter 2 galatians chapter 2 and verse 21 it says i do not nullify the grace of god for if righteousness were through the law then christ died for no purpose right so over here paul says that if righteousness were through the law if righteousness could have been attained by the works of the law or by law then uh, christ died for nothing christ died for no purpose and in the same way the promise that was made the promise was of an inheritance right you uh, god promised to abraham that you would get all the land and god promised that to abraham and his offspring so the promise was a promise of inheritance so inheritance is not by the uh, not by the law but comes by the promise and why why is this important because all the credit of the promise all the credit of the work of righteousness it ultimately goes to god alone all credit for the work of salvation goes to god alone so paul is again reemphasizing the defense that he started from uh, uh, chapter 3 verse 6 by quoting different old testament passages he is again giving a human illustration over here that how how you are justified or set right in the sight of god and how abraham was also justified or counted righteous because of his faith and in the same way uh, by giving the example of the promise that was initially given to abraham and how it was ratified and it was sanctioned it was signed it was a contract that was made between god and abraham and which was fulfilled in the person of lord jesus christ 
so that cannot be that cannot be changed that cannot be annulled he is defending that uh, position that he uh, paul took before and then he moves on that so if if law was given afterwards and if law through the law if you cannot be made righteous then why was the law given in the first place what is the use of the law so if you are ultimately at the end of the day if you are attaining righteousness or justified in the sight of god by just by his grace and by faith in god since old testament time itself since abraham itself and then why what is the use of the law why why give the law in the first place if inheritance or righteousness was always meant through faith in god that was the law given and it immediately says it was added because of transgression it was added because of transgression so what is this transgression over here old testament describes the fallen nature of man as a uh, three things sin iniquity and transgression you must have read this three terms so much often throughout the old testament sin iniquity and transgression we most commonly have in mind that these all three are synonyms or very much similar and, and we are also not exactly wrong because it is they, they are all kind of similar because they all point to the fallen nature of man so let us briefly uh, let us see what all those three are so sin according to old testament definition or its usage sin means to miss the mark or miss the goal and what is the goal or the mark it is ultimately ultimately to love god with your with her heart soul mind and strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself so that is the goal of the whole law that is the goal that is the goal how we should live but if we are failing in that if you are missing the mark missing the goal that we are committing sin so that's how sin is defined iniquity iniquity is a type of an action or a behavior that is crooked in nature that is something criminal criminal in nature if you harm someone if you uh, steal something if you uh, kill some someone and so all those type of uh, actions which are crooked which are uh, bad or uh, criminal in nature all those can be categorized as iniquities what is transgression transgression which is most commonly associated with the law is to break a covenant or to break the trust so whenever we sin or whenever we do any iniquity we break the trust of the lord we break the uh, commandments we break the covenant and that's how it is defined we transgress against the living god so he says that the law was given or it was added because of transgression so the law was given mainly for four reasons to deal with this sin iniquity and transgression the first reason is to deal with the transgression of the israelites through the sacrificial sacrificial system uh, during the time when they uh, got out of egypt so, they, so there had to be a system to deal with the transgression to deal with the sins that that they committed that the person who committed sin or transgression they might not be killed but in place of them an innocent creature would be would be killed and by looking at that creature they would be compelled to live a holy life that they were not killed but in their place an innocent blood was shed and so they were compelled to not to sin again it was given to instruct the people who god is who is holy and what he requires of them to be like him like to be holy and in so in order to restrain them from committing transgression or committing sin or iniquity 
third is to show show what sin actually is the law was given to show what sin what sin is and that sin or transgression meant a violation of an explicit written law from god and the fourth and the most important thing is the law was given to reveal the sinfulness of sin the hideousness of sin of man and recognize that they need a savior to reveal the sinfulness of man and recognize their need for a savior and it was given the law was given because of transgression until the offspring should come to whom the promise was made right until the offspring should come which was, which is the lord jesus christ until the offspring should come and put an end to the law what does it mean by that so he fulfilled the law he completed all the righteous requirement of the law and he knew that we as humans would never be able to be set right in the sight of god by fulfilling the law and now if anyone has faith in the works or has faith in the in lord jesus christ would be saved that's why the law was pointing ultimately to the offspring the lord jesus christ and through him only can any man be saved that is through faith right and we and we read that the law was put in place by an intermediary or a mediator which we can very well recognize that the intermediary or the mediator was moses and was given by the angels he says paul is saying it was put in place through angels so this is the verse that he is most most uh, probably referring to deuteronomy 33 and verse 2 he said over he 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 means uh, he is a uh, Moses Moses said the Lord came from Sinai and dawned from Seir upon us he shone forth from mount paran he came from the 10000s of holy ones with flaming fire at his right hand so he, so when the Lord came on to mount Sinai and gave the law he came with the holy ones which are the 10000 of his angels and through angels lord god uh, gave the law to Moses and moses gave the law to the israelites and moses was an intermediary intermediary or a mediator we also read that verse 20 now an intermediary implies more than one but god is one so this verse most most certainly means that a mediator is required when there are more than two more than one party is involved what is this more than one party over here one party is the israelites the second party is the angels through whom the law is given or uh, through whom the law is given by god but he says that but god is one why does he say that i think he mo- he he's saying that over here in verse 20 is because the promise that was given initially to abraham and to the offspring was directly given by god and he is uh, foreseeing that the promise would be ultimately be accomplished in the person and nature of lord jesus christ God is one who fulfilled the promise through Christ. He died for the sins of the people who would believe in him through Christ and in Christ. The promises promise was to be fulfilled in Christ. It was given to Christ himself that all the nations of the world would be saved in him. Those those who have faith in him or believe in him. So the third section is the law contrary to the promises of God then? so if the law was given and was added because of transgression is the law then contrary to the promises of god 
absolutely not right we can most certainly say and uh, paul is also saying certainly not jesus came to fulfill the law and the prophets we know, all know the verse when he's preaching on the uh, the ser- giving the sermon on the mount matthew 5:17 he, he came to fulfill the law and the prophets not only to fulfill them but to live to to live accordingly a righteous life but also he means that the law and the prophet what they were talking about was to be manifested in the person of lord jesus christ and we can also read and turn to romans chapter 7 verse 7 12 and 13 i'll read on my bible over here romans chapter 7 in verse 7 what then shall we say that the law is sin by no means yet if it had not been for the law it would not have i would not have known sin and then verse 12 and 13 so the law is holy and the commandment is holy and righteous and good did that which is good then bring death to me by no means it was sin producing death in me through what is good in order that sin might be shown to be sin and through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure right so over here Paul is uh, talking about the same uh, same thing over here. That is the law bad? Then is the law uh, making people to fall into sin? No, it's it is certainly not. Uh, law only reveals what sin is. Law only points out how much hideous is hideous the sin is. And by that he is saying that you come into the knowledge of sin by the law. You are not committing sin because of the law. but you are you are knowing what sin is by the law the law revealed the hideousness of the sin law showed that because sin is so sinful and because you are so sinful because you are committing sin you need a savior and only if you acknowledge that that you need a savior only then you would be saved if you keep on to the same fact that if continuing the same works of the law continuing the same legalistic uh, works into in our day to day lives and trying to attain a better standing in sight of god then you would never be saved or you are highly mistaken you are bewitched he says in verse verse 1 of chapter 3 and moving on he says for if a law had been given that could give life then righteousness would indeed be by the law right the law could never give life life is not through the law but only through the holy spirit through faith in jesus christ and for that we can uh, you can all read uh, romans chapter 8 from verses 1 to uh, 17 we we won't be reading it today but he's talking there about how you get receive life through the spirit romans 8 11 says if the spirit of him who raised jesus from the dead dwells in you He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Right? So you ultimately receive life. You receive the quickening through the Holy Spirit. It is not by your own strength. It is only by the strength of the Spirit. A, a verse before that, verse ten, he is talking about the power of the Spirit. So the same power which rose Christ Jesus from the dead, if that same power works in you. or when you receive that same power by believing in Christ Jesus then you receive that life by that same spirit through the same power 
so the law can can never give life but it is only the holy spirit that gives life and then he speaks about that scripture imprisoned everything under the law everything under the sin the scripture most uh, most probably uh, he is referring to the law over here so law imprisoned everything which he is repeating again in verse 23 that we were held captive under the law imprisoned imprisoned under the coming faith would be revealed the scripture or the law imprisoned everything under sin and we can know this by the passage that we read last time last tuesday romans chapter 1 verses 18 to chapter 3 verse 20 we won't be seeing that today but we know that entire humanity is has been declared as culpable they are no one is excused even those who are under the law the jewish people they are also not excused even those who are outside the law the gentiles they are also not excused everyone each and every human being are culpable and have fallen short of the glory of god and the scripture of the law imprisoned everything under sin romans 320 for by works of the law no human being will be justified in his sight since through the law comes the knowledge of sin right through the law comes the knowledge of sin and by the works of the law no one will be justified and because by the works of the law no one will be justified law imprisoned everything under sin and why it imprisoned everything under sin because everyone would be freed by the sacrifice of of the coming savior the law pointed to the savior the law pointed to the need of the savior so that everyone would recognize their own uh, lacking and their own wants and by that recognition they would look forward to the savior and they would recognize that they need a savior they are justified only through faith in jesus christ romans 3 verses 21 to 22 but now the righteousness of god has been manifested apart from the law although the law and the prophets bear witness to it right the law bear witness to the prophets bear witness to it. the righteousness of god through faith in jesus christ for all who believe so now the righteousness had has been revealed which is the same type of righteousness that abraham received in the beginning uh, when he believed and the same righteousness now you everyone can be righteous if they put their faith in jesus christ not by their own works of the law law was a guardian law was given as a guardian until the faith came or until christ jesus came why it was a guardian it was to restrain people from sinning we 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 just saw it. the law point the law gave a way so that they so that the people can know who god is and what god required of them to live holy life and they would be restrained to commit sin to show them that they need a savior so law was a guardian until uh, a savior came so are we really imprisoned or free so by this uh, description explanation we can say that we are free right so are we free to live as we want are we free to sin certainly not right we are not free to do anything as we want we are not free to commit sin we are not free to uh, do whatever comes into our minds without uh, inquiring the desires of the spirit or the lord romans 8 chapter 12 uh, romans chapter 8 verse 12 and 14 so then brothers we are debtors not to flesh to live according to the flesh for if you live according to the flesh you will die 
but if by the spirit you put death the deeds of the body you will live for all who are led by the spirit of god are the sons of god right so we are not if if you if anyone has received the spirit if anyone has put their faith in the lord jesus christ that only through him he can be saved and he has received his spirit and if that person has received the spirit then he the person can no longer sin then the person can no longer live according to his own desires according to whatever he wants he will live according to what christ wants according to what uh, the lord wants him to do the lord wants him to go he, he will do all those things according to the commandments of the lord according to the uh, fruit of the spirit and at the end he speaks about the privileges verses 26 27 28 29 four privileges we can see that we have in christ which are given over here that we are all sons of god through faith and we also see that in galatians 3:5 that those who have the spirit we receive the spirit by faith and those who have the spirit of christ they are called the sons of god chapter 4 5 6 and 7 second thing we have been baptized into christ so what is this is this the ordinance or the ritual that he is talking about i don't think he is he is talking about the actual rich, uh, actual uh, act of baptism but he is referring to romans 6 3 and 4 do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into christ jesus were baptized into his death we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that as christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the father we too might walk in the newness of life so he is saying that if you recognize yourself as being dead just as christ was christ died and if you recognize yourself as buried with christ as he was buried in the tomb if you recognize yourself as being resurrected just as christ was resurrected it is a recognition he is talking about then you will walk in the newness of life then you will also say like uh, paul said in chapter 2 verse 20 that i am crucified with christ now it is no longer my will but his will and the third thing he says that we have put on christ right galatians 2:20 says i have been crucified with christ it is no longer i who live but christ who lives in me and the life i live in the flesh i live by the faith in the son of god it is no longer my desires it is no longer my, me i but it is only christ jesus who is living in me it is his spirit who is directing me it is his spirit who is guiding me i uh, my own will has been put to death and only the will of the lord remains second corinthians 5:17 says therefore if any man be in christ he is a new creation old things are passed away and the all have become new right old nature has passed away and the fourth thing is there is no distinction to be accepted by god through faith in christ jesus we are all one in christ there is no distinction no jew or no greek there is no distinction for being accepted by god either either you are jew or greek either you are slave or free or male or female female anyone and everyone can be accepted by god through their faith in christ jesus all are one in christ jesus jews and gentiles we can read ephesians 2:11 to 12 that especially the gentiles who were alienated they were strangers they were outside the commonwealth of israel they were hostile to god and those are now also included with the true jews who have faith in christ jesus 
they are all they called now the sons of abraham having the same faith that abraham had so these are the five things that we saw today so what is the conclusion this is the first thing that we can most certainly take off from today that everyone needs a savior and that the savior is the lord jesus christ if our savior in in our life is some somebody else or something else then we are on the path to damnation so we need to really check that who our savior is have we fallen into the trap of legalism trying to add works to our faith to achieve better standing in sight of god we may certainly be saying that i am not a jew i am not following the commandments and i am not a fulfilling the all the rituals and all i am having faith but are you thinking that my uh, my reading bible every day and my going to the church every day gathering every day uh, or every week i am a better christian than most of them i am a better christian than the most of the people uh, that are not here today am i thinking like that are we still imprisoned by sin or by the works of the law we should daily represent the privileges that we have in christ through our life what were the privileges that we are the sons of god we we have the spirit of the lord we are the temple of the holy ghost are we living like that we have been baptized in christ uh, we have to identify and uh, identify ourselves with the death burial and resurrection of the lord jesus christ we have been baptized in christ we have put on christ and we are accepted or have fellowship with god through christ there is no distinction so may the lord bless this few words and help us all to test ourselves again and think on these things that am i adding anything to my salvation and help us to live like paul lived i have crucified myself galatians 2:20 i have been crucified with christ it is no longer i who live but christ who lives in me